Hallelujah. I'm still going to move down. Amen. Amen. Praise God. When you see Brother Mark Kendrick, make sure you thank him. He's invested a lot of time and energy here this last week. He spent time with us on Thursday afternoon and Friday morning. But he was committed to the wedding that took place in, in Puyallup. So he left Friday afternoon to get over there for rehearsal Friday night. And then to do the wedding yesterday afternoon. And then when the wedding was over, he drove back over here uh, yesterday afternoon. And got back around here probably around 4.30 or 5. And worked until almost 9 o'clock last night. So that we could have good sound this morning. And, and so when you see him, Bo Flowers helped him with that, I know. And, um, but let's make sure we express our appreciation to Brother Kendrick. And so you notice you don't see channels going up the wall. Right, all those things are gone. All these things are no cords; they're just all coming right out of the platform. Those are little things we kept changing on Brother Carlos. We said, "Oh, by the way, oh, by the way," and then Bishop came and walked through and said, "Oh, by the way," and so you, you notice the baptism's gone here, but it's over there now. So that's why I said he still loves me. We kept changing stuff, and he just kept getting her done. So praise God. I'm thankful today, aren't you? Amen. Amen. I think the Lord would like to talk to us for a few minutes this morning. And I've had a couple of things turning through my spirit these last couple of weeks. And uh, I, um, the Lord was talking to me this morning. And then when Brother Rodriguez started with that scripture in Jeremiah of course he read the very familiar verse to us uh, where the Lord said I know the plans I have for you but it was the next verse that spoke to my spirit about the Lord hearing us and our prayer so would you go with me today to the book of Luke I think is where I want to go praise God Book of Luke, chapter number 11. We'll just start with verse 1. I'm going to give you a minute since we're not just throwing it on the screen for you today. Like I said, we're going to find out if you know where stuff is in your Bible. It's good. I like hearing pages turn. It's a good thing. Amen. You got it? Luke, chapter 11. We're going to start with verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place. This is Jesus. Jesus is praying. That when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you say that with me this morning? Teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, verse 2, and so the Lord responds to their request. And he said to them, when you pray, say. Everybody say, say. say. 
When you pray, say. Not when you pray, think. Not when you pray, meditate. When you pray, say. Words will come out of your mouth. Now, I, Brother Charlie Mahaney, who has passed on from this life, he would always say, you know, it's all right to pray out loud. People would say, well, God's not deaf. And Brother Charlie Mahaney would say, well, he ain't scared either. So when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said to them, now notice when he said, when you pray, say, he wasn't saying, repeat these words that I'm telling you. Because if so, he would be contradicting himself because another place in Scripture he talked about not having vain repetition. So this was a pattern for prayer. We know this. But he's still talking about how to pray. Verse 5, he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journeys come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't rise and give you. And I say to you, or verse number 8, Though he will not rise and give him, because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity. Everybody say importunity. Because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And, as, and I say unto you, he's still talking about prayer. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. This is the word of the Lord regarding prayer. Now some will take verse 9 by itself. You can't take verse 9 by itself. Ask, seek, knock. And it happens. you got to start all the way back at verse number 2 where he began the pattern. Because it all starts with our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So then when I'm asking, seeking, knocking, I'm asking, seeking, knocking according to the will of the Father, not according to my will. Amen? Let's read just a little bit further. Verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Of course, the answer is of course not. Verse 12, if he ask an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them 
that ask him. Amen. The Lord said through the prophet Isaiah, and we read it again. Jesus quoted Isaiah, and you can read it in all of the Gospels. It's referenced. He said, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer. A house of prayer. He said, and when Jesus was quoting it to those at the temple, when we look in the Gospels, he says, it'll be called a house of prayer the way Isaiah said it. Of all nations, it'll be known or called a house of prayer. But you've made it what? A den of thieves. He was, not you, I'm, well, I hope not you. Uh, he was speaking to those in the temple that day. He said, but you've made it a den of thieves. It's an interesting choice of words, isn't it? A den of thieves. What was happening? What do thieves do? Steal. You've made it a place where people steal things. It's supposed to be a place of prayer where you pray and I give things, but you've turned it into a place where people steal things. Why? What happened? Well, if you look at that context where Jesus shared those words, what we find is there were people that had moved in, and rather than the temple being a place of fellowship and communion with God, rather than it being a place of personal relationship developed with God, rather than it being a place of bringing sacrifice to the Lord and having sacrifice offered unto the Lord, it was turned into a place where people could go, pay some money, get a sacrifice for some change, and the sacrifice could be done for them, and they could check it off their list. The sacrifice has been made. I went to the temple like I'm supposed to. I had enough money to buy a sacrifice today, so I bought my sacrifice rather than bringing my sacrifice. I took care of my religious duty, and I'm done. And Jesus called that a den of thieves. They had left personal commitment to their relationship with God for religious duty, and God called it a den of thieves. His house shall be called a house of prayer. I made reference a few weeks ago when we were in Union Gap about the Lord answering prayer. Anybody remember that? It was at the close. It's all right if you don't. I, uh, the Lord has been dealing with me about prayer again and convicting me about my place of prayer and the time I will commit to Him in a place of prayer. And I feel the Lord wanting to invite us into a renewed commitment to a place of prayer. I'm thankful today for the beautiful new building. I really, really am. I love it. I love the carpet and the trim and the smell and the lights and the paint. And I love it all. It's still just a building. 
His house shall be called a house of prayer. The Lord said through the Apostle Paul, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Your body is the temple. Well, if we believe that, and we do, then this, everybody do that to your, put your hand right there on your chest. This is called to be the house of prayer. When I take my life and I begin to spend it on things that are not the will of the Father, when I take my time, energy, and effort, and I pour it into things that are of this world or of my own will rather than the will of the Father, I begin to turn this house into a den of thieves rather than a house of prayer. He filled you and I with the Spirit for purpose. And the purpose is that we would become a house of prayer. Do you understand when the, pro- when the prophet, when the Apostle James penned these words and he said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He wasn't just filling some letter to a church. He was trying to awaken an understanding again that if you'll find a place of prayer and go there until the Lord releases you and you'll pray what the Holy Ghost gives you to pray, you can change anything. By the work of the Spirit of God through you. When we were singing that song this morning, one verse, Sister Loren said the words, and when she sang them, they went through my spirit. She said, rearranging destinies. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, I'll do that if you'll pray. I will do that if you'll pray. What we call the Lord's Prayer, we know. And we read it there in Luke 11. He said we should pray your will in earth as in heaven. There's oftentimes this mentality that, well, if it's the will of God, it'll happen. I, I can tell you when I was younger, I made that statement. If it's the will of God, it'll happen. Well, that's just not true. I want to let that settle into some of your hearts, minds, and spirits today. The will of God doesn't just happen because it's the will of God. The will of God will not just happen. I'll give you scripture for that. Peter wrote these words. He, the Lord, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now question, are all going to come to repentance? But the will of God is that all do. So why doesn't the will of God happen? Because you and I have a responsibility according to the word of God 
to pray the will of God from heaven into earth. And let me tell you where that starts when you and I begin praying that way. It starts right here. I stop living my will, and the more I sincerely seek His face, and the more you and I sincerely pursue His will, and I pray, Your will, not mine, be done. This carnal man dies. This man dies, and the will of God begins to live. And the will of God is done through your life and through mine. That always starts in a place of prayer. You have no prayer life. You have no spiritual life. You have no closet of prayer. You have no relationship with God. You have no place of prayer. You're probably not really a Christian. We must give ourselves to prayer. We must give ourselves to prayer. I've been married 27 years, and I hope that's right. Yes, that's right. I had to think for just a second. I've been married 27 years. What would you think if I told you my wife and I, every time we talk, I do all the talking and she just listens. Well, number one, you'd never believe that. But what if I told you she did all the talking and I just, no, I'm kidding. Right? I don't repeat that. I'm glad she's downstairs today. Now, we understand that communication is a two-way thing. It's intended to be. That's what prayer is. Prayer is going to a place, and when I'm seeking the face of God, and I'm praying, your will be done, what am I doing? I'm praying those words, and then I'm listening. What am I listening for? I'm listening to hear, what is the will of God? What is my place in the will of God today? What is my responsibility in the will of God today? That's what prayer is. I'm going there not praying, let your will be done, now do it. And I'll sit over here, let your will be done. And Lord, I want you to do it in me, with me, and through me. And in, with, and through each one of us. Amen. This is birthed and lives and thrives only from a place of prayer. No prayer life. No relationship with God. No life of prayer, no walking in the will of God. It must start and end in a place of prayer. I was reading the other day in the book of Exodus. I think it's around the 30th chapter. And so you have to go dig and look because Brother Jeremiah is not on the keys today back there looking for me and finding it. But it's in Exodus when it's talking about the tabernacle being built and the plan of the tabernacle and then the order of the tabernacle. And we find the Lord instructing through Moses to Aaron and his sons about the altar of incense. The altar of incense, of course, was a place of prayer. It represented prayer. It was where they would bring fire from the altar of sacrifice. They would bring it. It would light the incense on the altar of incense. And this sweet savor would ascend before the Lord like prayer 
It was designed to be, it is symbolic of the prayers of the saints. And so there's an interesting instruction that's there if you go all the way back to the tabernacle and look at what the Lord commanded through Moses regarding this thing symbolic of prayer. He said, you tell Aaron that every single day, every morning, he should go in and offer incense. And then every single evening, he should go in and offer incense. What was he establishing? He was establishing that at the beginning of the day and at the close of the day, there should be this offering of prayer to the Lord, this time of communion with God. I can't and you can't make anybody pray. Can't do it. And you've heard this before, but it bears repeating. The Lord's not going to come along and strike you and go, pow, whoo, now I just want to pray all the time. You determine, you make a decision, this house will be called a house of prayer. This house will be called a house of prayer. Pray with me right now. Come on, would you talk to the Lord with me right now? In the name of Jesus. Father, we're called for your purpose. We are called for your purpose. We're called that your will would be accomplished in the earth. We are not here for our own doing. We're here for yours, Father. I pray, Father, the beckoning of your spirit. I pray the beckoning of your spirit for what you're wanting to do in, with, and through us. For what you're wanting to do in, with, and through us, your body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. You know, there is... There is no place more precious, more sacred, and more fulfilling than a closet of prayer with Him. With Him. You understand, you're not going there to check off your list or to fulfill religious duty. You're going to a closet to spend time with God. You're going to a... And he wants to spend time with you. And so the Lord is inviting you into that place. He's inviting me into that place. Because he has plans for you. And he has plans for these valleys. He has plans for lives. And he's going to accomplish them starting in a place of prayer with you and I. With you and I. He's inviting you there. I shared with you a, a couple of months ago where I was praying one morning on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden my mind went back to a place that I had been some 30 years, or not 30 years before, I'm getting old, some almost 40 years before when I was eight or nine years old. And so 
it was it was very surreal to me in that moment as I was praying because I knew as I'm praying and what I felt in the Holy Ghost and what I felt by the Spirit of the Lord revealing to me, I recognized I've been here before and I went back like I didn't teleport, but you understand spiritually I could feel my spirit was back to whatever was some 40 years before when I had stood with my dad in this little bitty one room home with wooden floors and with tar paper on the outside and his grandmother sitting in a chair with a quilt over her and this very, very, very simple, like think cabin out in the middle of the woods, just that's it, very simple and bare bones. She's sitting there in her chair in her 90s, a quilt, a handmade quilt over her legs and my dad had said, I want to go over and see my granny. That's what he called her, his grandmother. I want to go see my granny and maybe just pray with her before we leave. And we went over there, went in. I'm just an eight- or nine-year-old boy. I'm just standing there, you know, awkwardly, not really knowing what to do. And just there. And, and he begins to pray with her. And she was the one that took him to church when he was a boy. She was the one that was the spiritual one in the family. His father and mother never served the Lord. And, and so we're praying with her there. And all of a sudden, she began praying in the Holy Ghost. And it shocked me. I mean, I'm a little boy. That didn't happen too much outside of the church at this point in my life anyway. I mean, I'd, I'd heard my grandmother and grandfather pray that way in their rooms or something. And even, but I'd never just been in a room starting to pray with somebody in their house and this just break out like this. And, and so, and she was in her 90s, just frail. But, man, this power came over. And she began to pray. In the whole, well, when I was praying a couple of months ago, it was like the Spirit of the Lord took me right back to that place. I hadn't considered it for years and years. And I thought, what in the world is this? What's happening here? And I can't explain to you what was happening, but I can, well, I can tell you a part of what was happening, but I don't understand it completely. This is what I realized the Lord let me know. Whatever she was praying in the Holy Ghost on that day, some 40 years ago, I entered into it on this day just a couple of months ago. And the Lord was doing whatever she had prayed some 40 years before. The Lord was bringing... You can look at me like I'm crazy. You can say, but Lord, I don't, I'm telling you, I know in the Holy Ghost, whatever she prayed that day and what I felt as a boy in that room that day, some 40 years later, and I don't understand it, but something happened in a place of prayer with me that the Holy Ghost let me know what she prayed for you 40 years ago, I'm doing today. She's dead. She's long gone. But her prayer remained because when you and I go to a place of prayer and we're no longer just praying in our flesh, but we move into a place of waiting on the Spirit of God and praying under the utterance and the anointing of the Spirit of God. And we find a place of prayer where His Spirit flows through us. And now I'm speaking things that are not of my own thinking and reasoning, but the power of the Spirit of God is giving me utterance. When we go to that place in prayer, your prayer is eternal. 
Hear me. It is eternal. I don't care if it was 100 years ago, 200 years ago, or 500 years ago. When you and I pray, and it's in the Spirit, when there is utterance given of the Holy Ghost, it will come to pass. Prayer given of the Spirit of God is eternal. It's eternal. It never fails. It never falters. It will accomplish what God sent it to do. You've heard me tell the story before. We'll pick on Carlos this morning since he's here, but I won't embarrass him. The Lord saw 15 years ago. The first time I met him and his family at a Little League baseball game in Wapato. The Lord saw that. The Lord saw that. It wasn't coincidence. The Lord saw that. The time he worked in the basement in our house in Hera. The Lord saw those days. And I remember the con- some of the conversations that took place. I remember some questions that were asked. I won't walk through all that this morning. I remember the prayers prayed at times when the Lord would prompt prayers to be prayed. See, here's the challenge. We want to pray and we want to see the result today. Or tomorrow. You know that scripture where we read there in Luke 11. Where it says a man needs loaves of bread. And he comes and he knocks on the door and it's late. And he won't get up because you're his friend, but because of the importunity. Remember we all said that word together? Importunity means continually coming. Continually asking. And there's some things we have to do in a place of prayer until the Lord brings it to pass. Even if it takes 13 and a half years. Or more. Or more. I remember the day just over a year ago when Carlos and Lisa walked in that door. I remember. I remember standing there. I remember seeing their face. And I remember what the Lord spoke to me in that moment when He said, I heard every prayer for over 13 years. Now, every single one of us in this room. Have God's hand and destiny on our lives. And he brings us for purpose. And we find and walk in that purpose in a place of prayer. We must be people of prayer. The Lord would like to renew your confidence that he answers prayer. Some things he does over time. Many of you have heard at this point. We sent a message out to you last week. A week and a half ago asking you to pray for Austin. The Walker's twin boy that was born airlifted to Spokane. Because his lungs weren't developed and they weren't sure he was going to make it. TJ and I were texting back and forth. Keeping updates. We asked, Can I ask the church? Can I share with the church? He said, Absolutely. And so... You all begin to pray. Many of you begin to pray for that child. I can tell you today 
The child's lungs are developing. He's breathing. They've been weaning him completely off of the ventilator. He can't go home just quite yet. But I can tell you, a week ago, they didn't expect him to make it because the CO2 levels were so high. They were. TJ sends me a message. He says, they're going to give him one more piece of medicine and see if that will bring the CO2 levels down. If it doesn't, within an hour, they're going to have to take him off the ventilator because they think it will do more harm than good. It's a desperate father. You prayed, and God has turned the story. Lungs that weren't developed began developing. A child that could not breathe on his own began breathing on his own. His lungs began functioning that didn't function. What did the doctors do? I thank God for doctors. Where do you think they get their wisdom from? Who designed this body? Not them. But it took a miracle working God that answers prayer to turn. And I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost, he still answers prayer. He still answers prayer. I'm reminded of the many ways. I hope you're listening. I know you are. I feel the Holy Ghost wanting to quicken some things in your heart. Now, it's a little different. We're just sort of walking along this morning. But the Lord is trying to draft you into some things by his spirit today. I don't care if it's 24 years, 40 years, 13 and a half years, or two weeks. God answers prayer. Don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking the passing of time makes prayer ineffective. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I pray not because of what I know, but because of who I know. And he answers prayer. It's why I can pray, because I know he answers prayer. Daniel, the 10th chapter, we find an interesting passage of Scripture. Daniel's been praying. He's been fasting for three weeks. And he's waiting on the Lord. He's trying to get an answer because of things that are happening. And it's, I'll just read it to you in Daniel chapter 10. He's there on his face praying. And watch what happens. The angel of the Lord appears to him as he's praying. Verse 10, Daniel 10 and 10. And Daniel recounts this. He says, Behold, a hand touched me. You ever been in prayer and had a hand touch you? It can happen. Behold, a hand touched me, which set me on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So you have this picture. He's on his knees and on the palms of his hands there. And watch what he said to him, verse 11. O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For unto you am I now sent. Who sent this messenger? The Lord God Almighty. Unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Get this picture in your mind. Daniel's a real man like you and I. Not just a Bible story. Daniel is a real person like you and I. 
He's been praying. An angel of the Lord has appeared and touched him, told him to stand up, said, I've been sent to you. God sent an angel to Daniel because he was praying. Verse 12. And so Daniel's standing there trembling. I think I'd be trembling too. Verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. Watch. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and did chasten yourself before the Lord, or before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. The Lord sent an angel for the words of a praying man. Now, it took him three weeks before he realized his prayer was getting through. We must give ourselves to prayer. The Lord still answers prayer. The challenge is, like we referenced earlier, when will he answer? I know when he'll answer. He always answers on time. Always. God always answers on time. Why? Why did he allow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go into the fiery furnace? Did he answer their prayer? Would have been a lot easier if he'd have done it before they ended up in the fire, wouldn't it? But was he on time? He was right on time, wasn't he? But they had to go in the fiery furnace. Why did Daniel have to go in the lion's den? Wouldn't it have been easier if he'd have just dealt with that deal before? But did God answer? Absolutely. Whose prayer did he answer? I think he answered Daniel, but guess who started praying? The king, the king that was not a king of Israel. He was the king that had him in captivity. But the king started praying for Daniel. Now you and I would look and say, man, if you go into the lion's den, it's too late. I prayed, but it didn't happen. And the guy went, no, God answered on time. God answered on time. And sometimes on time means you're already in the furnace or you're already in the lion's den. Our prayer is always about avoiding those things. Prayer is not to avoid things. Prayer is to pray the will of God into our situation. To pray the will of God into the earth. To pray the will of God until it happens. And in all of those things, you know what the common element is? God is glorified in it. God is glorified in it. And so you're praying and God's going to answer your prayer. Where it will give him glory. He is always on time. And you know, sometimes, can you imagine what Daniel must have felt like? 
He knew he was heading to the lion's den. Can you imagine what those boys must have felt like standing there saying, if you don't, I'm going to give you one more chance. Wondering, is this really going to happen? Is this going to go through? Is this going to take place? Is God going to swoop in or what's going to go on here? They were human like you and I. Sometimes it's easy to go, man, I wish I had the faith they did. Well, they had faith, but faith doesn't mean they don't wonder. You understand? Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we're human. They were human too. They had faith. And God answered. God will answer. But when things get closer and closer and closer, the enemy would try to steal faith. Cause us to question whether prayer would really work. Prayer works. We must be people of prayer. Last place in scripture I want to share with you this morning. Revelation chapter 8. You remember in the book of Acts, while you're turning to Revelation. You remember in the book of Acts, that man named Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, that Italian guy. He was Italian, you know. Read it. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you, how do you know that? It's in the Bible. Go read it. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was Italian. And so here's this Italian Cornelius has a relationship with God, but doesn't have full understanding and revelation that the Lord wants to lead him into. And so Cornelius was a man of prayer. I don't know how long he'd been praying. The scripture doesn't tell us. But he'd been praying and praying and praying. And the scripture says when, it, when he's praying one day, an angel appears to him. Now, you know what's interesting to me if you start studying and reading the book of Acts? Cornelius, when he was praying, happened to be at the same time that if you go all the way back to Acts chapter 3 and you look at Peter and John headed to the temple. The time that Cornelius was praying happened to be the hour of prayer that Peter and John seemed to practice. I just sort of imagine that Peter and John were in their place of prayer and Cornelius was in his place of prayer. And the Lord was like, it's time to connect these prayers together to produce something that I want to do. But Peter is on the rooftop in Joppa at a man named Simon's house. And he's up there. He thinks he's going to catch a nap before he actually goes and has dinner. But he goes up there and he goes into a trance and he sees this vision there. And of course, the Lord tells him, and he doesn't understand what's going on, but three men show up at the door to go to Cornelius' house. Peter, go with them. The scripture says this about Cornelius, and he tells this to Peter. Cornelius' prayers have come up as a memorial before God. How long had he been praying? I don't know. Do you understand, if you and I will let the Lord take us into a closet of prayer consistently, prayer can become memorials. And I don't know when the Lord will respond, but He will. He will. He will. You want to see change in a circumstance? Pray until. You want to see a circumstance shift that you think is impossible? It's not with God. Pray until. Pray until. I have a meeting this afternoon. I'm believing that it's a result of prayer. 
that God is going to do a work because he's God and because people have prayed. You say, how do you know? I don't know what's going to happen. Only God does. But I have the confidence in prayer that's led up to that point, that's opened that door. We were getting ready to pull out of our driveway the other day. I have a neighbor two houses down that I've been praying for for six and a half years since we've lived in our house. I waved at him. He stops, rolls down the window, says, Joel, I want to get your number. We need to have coffee together. I want to talk with you. I don't know what's going to happen there. Only God does. But I'm telling you, if you and I will pray, there's something that's shifted. Why am I saying all this this morning? I'm going to tell you why. There is something that's shifted in the Holy Ghost here recently where the Lord has let me know I'm ready to begin answering prayers that have been prayed. And you've been waiting and what I'm telling you, something has changed in the Holy Ghost. Something has shifted in the Spirit. And prayers that have been built and sent and prayed and you've waited, the Lord, something has turned and there is a moving of the Spirit of God that prayers are going to see prayers answered and you're going to see prayers answered and you're going to see prayers answered. I've witnessed it in the last three months. I can point back to four, five, six different situations where just in the last two to three months, all of a sudden, prayers that I've been praying for months or years, I'm seeing answers, 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 answers. I'm like, what happened? And the Holy Ghost let me know something shifted because of time and the return of the Lord that's soon. And so if my people will pray, I'm ready to answer. Cornelius had memorials of prayer. Revelation chapter 8. You can read the first eight chapters of Revelation. You get here, you'll read about the seven seals. This is the seventh seal. Verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. About the space of half an hour. Sort of interesting, isn't it? What was so significant about this seal? That it brought silence. For 30 minutes. I wonder that they were all waiting. To see what God would do. And no one was doing anything until God moved. Watch verse 2. I saw the seven angels which stood before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood. Where did the angel stand? At the altar. Having a golden censer. And there was given to him what? Much incense. Remember, I told you about in Exodus, the altar of incense in the morning, the evening, and what it was symbolic of. When the seventh seal is opened, this angel comes and stands at the altar, and there's given him much incense. That tells me he's not at the altar of sacrifice. He stands there with much incense. He has a golden censer. Why? That he should offer it with the prayers of all saints. 
upon the golden altar which was before the throne. This altar is different. This altar is not in the holy place. This altar is before the throne of God. And this altar that's before the throne of God has all the prayers of the saints being offered. At some point, the seal is opened. And when that seal is opened, all the prayers of the saints. (coughs) I don't know if this is that time or not. But something has shifted. And there is a witness of the Holy Ghost to me that he's ready to answer prayers that have been prayed. You're going to see it. But whatever happened here, all the prayers of the saints were released before the throne of God. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took it, the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and cast it into the earth. You think your prayers don't matter to God? I promise you they do. I promise you, they do. He hears every prayer. He hears every prayer. Would you stand with me this morning? You could go back to the fifth chapter of Revelation. And you find the book. That's opened. And when the book is open. The scripture talks about odors that were there. These sweet odors that filled the room. And he says it was the prayers of the saints that were in vials. The prayers of the saints stored up in vials. You think that time in your closet of communion with God is just written off day by day? Oh, no. When you're there in fellowship with Him, He's taking your prayer. His ear is tuned to your voice. And I would that our ear would become tuned to His voice. And that the prayer would take place with spiritual utterance. I have a question for you this morning. What's the last thing the Lord spoke to you? In your closet of prayer, what's the last thing the Lord spoke to you? When's the last time He spoke to you in your closet of prayer? How often should he speak with you? 
Is it unrealistic to expect that God would talk with you and I every day? If we believe prayer should be a daily thing, is it unrealistic to expect that God would talk with us every day? Of course not. He wants to. He wants to talk with you and I every single day. And I feel the Lord reaching to you. And many of you are people of prayer. The Lord is wanting to take you deeper still. He wants to talk with you every day. I would submit to you, if you and I are the ones doing all the talking, it's not really prayer. It's, well, at best, it's one-way prayer. I've got to get to a place in my closet where he's talking to me every day. I don't want to go through my day without hearing from him. I want to open this altar to you today. I want you to find a place of prayer. Would you talk with the Lord? Would you be willing to recommit, rededicate, and allow him to do something in your spirit? Let him... Strengthen your faith today. Let him remind you again that he still answers prayer. Let him remind you today of prayers you've prayed that you haven't seen answered yet, but that faith would be renewed. Come on, that loved one's not out of his reach. That circumstance is not too difficult for him. That situation's not too hard for God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we will be people of prayer. By the grace of God, by the enabling of your spirit, Lord, we will be people of prayer. Lead us, I pray. Lead us, O God. Lead us where you'd have us to walk in places of prayer. Lead us where you'd have us to go in places of prayer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Anoint our ears to hear your voice. Anoint our lips to speak your words. I pray a sensitivity to the Spirit of God like never before. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Well, Mom, none of your prayers have gone unheard. None of your prayers have gone unheard. He hears. He knows. Don't be weary in well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not. I hear the word of the Lord today saying you will reap if you faint not. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. to teach us to pray. The if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I want to pray that. Where do I even start? It's really simple. Really, it's really, really simple. You just start at the beginning of your day. Just start at the beginning of your day. I don't. I know how the adversary works. The adversary would like to try to take something like this, and we're really good at beating ourselves up sometimes. That's not the point today. The Lord's inviting us into deeper fellowship with Him. He's inviting us into a place that if we're not careful, we get so busy we don't have time for. I can't remember who gets the credit for saying it. They said it a while back, but said if you're really busy, you don't have time not to pray. The busier I get, the more I need to pray. The more involvements I have, the more I need to pray. And so, what do you do? You purpose, I'm going to start every day with him. That's seeking first the kingdom of God. Say, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to get up two hours earlier than I usually do? I probably wouldn't try that. Right? You ever done something like that where you're like, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to start praying an hour a day. And you get up and you're like 10 minutes into it. And you're like, and I, I haven't been praying every day for the last several years. And now I'm going to go an hour a day. And I get up and I fall asleep. And I look, if you and I, with a sincere and pure heart, We'll set aside time at the beginning of our day to say, I'm going to talk with the Lord undistracted. Undistracted. I promise you, He'll meet you there. And remember, you're not going there to bring Him your list. You're not going there to dump on Him. You're going there to spend time with Him. He'll meet you there. What does that look like? I don't know. Get up 30 minutes earlier than you usually do and purpose. The only reason you're doing it is to spend time with Him. Don't take your phone to your closet of prayer. That's why you need a Bible with pages in it. Don't, don't take anything. That, that's why there's a closet too, you understand. If you're in a closet, there's less distractions. doesn't have to be a physical closet, you know. A place where there aren't distractions. So leave your phone by the bedside. Or or you know what I had to start doing? I had to start setting the alarm on my phone. Like this is when I need to make sure I got to start getting ready to go wherever I'm going this morning. I'd set my alarm for that time. Then I'd just sit it over there and forget about it. 
when the alarm went off, I knew, man, you know what would start happening? That alarm would go off, and I'd be like, already? Already? It'll happen to you. You start spending time with him. Then you're not, if you set your alarm, you're not looking at the clock while you're praying. You're just spending time with him undistracted. And he'll start ordering your every step of the day. I think it was Brother Tony Bailey that made this statement. He said, I found when I talk with God in the morning, he talks with me all day long. And he will start directing your steps. Would you stand with me today? Praise God. The way to become a person of prayer is to start. Set aside the time and do it. And let the Lord lead you in it. And he will. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the privilege and the power of prayer. I know that you answer prayer. You've proven it again and again and again. You know the plans you have, Lord, throughout these valleys. And you know the plans to use each part of your body. I pray we be yielded, Father, that we be instruments of prayer in the hands of a mighty God. I pray use each one. There's not a single one of us in this room that's more capable than another. There's not a single one of us in this room that's any better than another. But every one of us, Lord, will avail ourselves. By your grace, we'll avail ourselves and enter into a place of prayer and fellowship with you. And allow you to use us for your glory and for your purpose. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Father. We worship you today. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Greet someone. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.